Yeah, so uh, I don't know if y'all wanted to give up on basketball after you know losses to some some you know middle of the pack road teams, but baseball is only a month away. We've got we've got some spring sports coming up soon. Um, I'm excited they're coming here to Dallas to play Dallas Baptist again, I believe. So um, I will I will be there for that. Tried to get Nathan to come in, but the Rangers aren't at home this year. So I guess uh, I guess we'll miss you this time, huh, Nathan? Yeah, we'll, we'll see. We'll see what happens. <laughs> the at Arizona series would be fun, too, but I don't know. Probably can't make that one. Arizona is a state. Yes, that's true. It's an, it's an actual state, though. <laughs> it's also a state of mind, though. That reminds me of the scene in Wayne's World 2. Where Garth gets on the stage at Waynestock and says, Welcome to Aurora. Not just a place, but a state of mind. Tech does not play Aurora I mean, this year. If, if you guys did not watch Wayne's World 2, then fuck you. I haven't seen Wayne's uh, World 1. Me either. God. What a what's up with these North Shore douchebags, listeners? Hey. You hear these assholes? Hey, we went to slide hey, that, out, you that's son an of a insult. Bitch. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I knew what I was doing. At least you didn't call us salmon assholes or whatever. Or Pope. Salmon? Like salmon? Salmon. Salmon. Salmon? Salmonella? What? That would explain a few things. The fuck is salmon? (laughs) It's named after John Salmon. (laughs) (laughs) Oh. I don't know. It was actually Fred Salmon. I found it. Fred? Fred? Fred Salmon. Wow. My high school, I don't know what my high school is named after. Parkway? What would Parkway be named after? Is it on a parkway? Ah. Like a road? <laughs> I'm yeah, was, yeah, I don't was, was your was your school on a road? Yeah. It was, yeah. It was off park it was off it was off Parkway Drive. I mean <laughs> So which came first? You know what? You know what? Fuck you guys. <laughs> <laughs> what if the road came after the school? Was erected. The, the school was just built, and they went, "Oh shit! Now we got to build the road." It's so far out of town. Yeah. No, I mean they didn't even necessarily build the road. They could have renamed it. <laughs> Fuck From you guys. High school road. I, <laughs> Benton High School makes sense. Benton is a city. Hot and maybe high school, the city's same named thing. after the school. We just don't know these things. <sighs> Some of the dumbest city planner jokes I've ever heard in my life. <laughs> But to be fair, they're probably also the best city planner jokes you've heard. Yeah, I haven't heard many. Hi, everyone, and welcome to the Go Tech Please Don't Die podcast, a show devoted to tech going and hopefully not dying. I'm Nathan. I'm Evan. I'm Matt. And this week we come with somber news. Athletic yeah, director Eric um, Wood is taking another position at Ole Miss. Good. Get out. Okay, Matt. Can Matt <laughs> give his take now? I'm I'm serious. I there's no air quotes around my first name today yet. Uh, wow. Okay. I I don't just I don't know, guys. I I feel like uh, it, it was time. There was a lot of rumors that he was going to go because Henderson got on board, and for me, I look at the body of work and it's just kind of meh. I mean, baseball really took off during his time, but I mean, he had nothing to do with that. Brought in Cumby, which has been a dud. Brought in Hester, which seems to be going in the right direction. Uh, softball's been pretty good. Stuff like that. But I, I don't know. I just feel like the thing that the most popular sport at Tech is football, and it's just kind of fallen flat in its ass. I know you guys have different opinions, though, about uh, well, I mean, his, le- his legacy. You're certainly not wrong about the football coach being like the biggest element of his tenure here. He was here, what, since... 
I think November of 2020, is that right? You know, made the decision to fire Skip Holtz after, you know, amidst a bad season and hired Sonny Cumbie, which has not gone well. So I think you're certainly like, I think it's reasonable to have the reaction of like, okay, what did you actually accomplish here when it comes to the biggest sport and sort of this like really transitional time for college football? Like now was not the time to make a bad hire. So like I get that sentiment for sure. And I don't know, Nathan, if you have anything to add there or, or any thoughts about the Cumbie hire and how it impacts things before we get into to other stuff. But yeah, I mean, I think you nailed it right on the head with the it's the most visible thing that he did was hiring the head football coach. I think that we see what Skip Holtz was able to do at the USFL level and go, wait, that guy was coaching for us. And you look back at the bull wins and things like that. But the firing of Holtz was seen as a people were ecstatic about it at the time. We were ecstatic about it. Not so much as we wished Holtz gone. He seemed like a great guy and he was a solid coach, but we were ready for something new. And contrary to popular belief, new is not always better. And so we ended up with with Cumbie. We also I'm not sure if there was a right hire to be made there. I'm not sure you get a different athletic director who makes a different hire or if he makes a different hire, how much better the football team would have been. We're playing a guessing game of was this the right decision when we only know what happened. So, yeah, that is something where we can say it looks like the Cumby hire was a bad one. I mean, we've had two bad seasons with him, but I don't know who else, how else anybody else would have done in that situation either. So I think like to me and obviously let me preface this by saying like, this is not the most important trait that an athletic director needs to have, but Dr. Wood was a personable guy and still is. He's not dead. Yeah, of course. Yeah. And I mean, I think that's what like to be the athletic director at tech in a town like Ruston, like you have to be able to come in and embed yourself in the community. And I think that Dr. Wood's approach to that was very interesting because like I've been a tech super fan since I was at tech. I've seen Vandevelde, I've seen McClelland, and now I've seen um, Wood. And I mean, I went to a lot of high profile away games and I never really saw Tommy McClelland. I'm sure he was there, but he was, you know, talking to the big donors. He was hanging out in the in the suite with whoever they brought with them to the game. He wasn't out shaking people's hands in the parking lot. Or giving away pizza at the basketball game. Right. I remember that happening before. It also happened over this weekend at the Liberty game. Those kinds of things felt very. This is someone I want to root for, if nothing else. I. I personally, you know, ran into Dr. Wood maybe five or six times across his tenure in different venues, like at games at Bucky's after the Texas regional (laughs) while we were driving back. It was his first time at Bucky's and he was like a freaking kid in a candy store. It was adorable, but he was like buying brisket and beef jerky and a cake or something. I don't know. Bucky's is ridiculous. But, you know, I saw him after homecoming 2022 at Brister Smokehouse. And each time, I mean, he like knew who I was like, it wasn't just like, oh, hey, this guy's wearing tech stuff. I didn't go up to him. He came up to me and said, oh, hey, Evan, how's it going? You know, after the after the um, homecoming game, that was when we lost to Rice in overtime. Um, Matthew Downing snapped his fibula in half or whatever. Um, Eric Wood was like deeply upset about that. Like you could tell that, that this guy cared about tech athletics. He cared about the student athletes. He cared about the fans 
in such a way that it would be very easy for him to not put in that effort. And I think it was just natural for him, if that makes sense. Like just going up to people and talking to them and like getting to know their relationship with tech and, and, you know, I'm not a big donor. I don't donate any money to the program. I buy season tickets occasionally, but like he thought it was worth his time to like talk to me, get to know me. And I, I think that's a, that's a unique skill that we'd be lucky to have again. Obviously the, the hire of Sonny Cumbie and, and maybe some of the other decisions will have more impact on tech in the long term than like him having four conversations with me. Uh, I'm not, I'm not like conflating those two in importance, but I think he will be missed um, in terms of the relationships that he built with people across the program. That was a really long speech about you twerking for some guy that remembered your name. But uh, as far as uh, Dr. Wood, I think, I think it's just kind of meh. I, I don't think he will be missed that much. I think he was just kind of whatever. Wasn't really here long enough either, honestly. Uh, yeah. So, Best of luck at Ole Miss. I think he's he's not going to be the top dog over there. He's not the AD. I think he's no. second in command. He is the senior uh, deputy athletics director slash external relations and business development. Esquire. I don't even know if that's I don't even know if that's second in command. I think it's odd that he left a top level AD position like the highest it gets to go be you know second, third, or fourth banana. Granted, at a much larger school with a much more well-known athletics program. And with the way college athletics is going, we all know that eventually it's going to be the uh, tier one, tier two, tier three, tier four, five, six, seven. But he's gone. He's gone. Uh, Now I'm kind of turning my attention to see uh, what now. Who next? I think just one one thing on on that is like 10 years ago, you probably didn't see as many moves like this. You'd see you'd see assistance at Ole Miss leaving to become the athletic director at tech. Right. Um, exactly. I just think the landscape has changed so much. I mean, Ole Miss is almost certainly paying him at least double what he was making as the top dog at tech. Right. It's crazy. So as far as names being mentioned in the mix for our position, I think uh, obviously we have a new university president, um, Dr. Henderson. A lot of changes. So Jim Henderson was the, Not that one. What pigs have flown? Uh, Hakeem dropped the ball. Anyway, um, oh, you're talking about ahead. that absolutely awful don't, radio guy, Matt, from the Saints. Matt. Don't, um, don't, just dog shit awful. Don't, don't. You, you can't, you can't. I'll just, I'll Wanna, just start quoting him ad nauseum until you stop, please. He's not. He wasn't just, good. Just Hakeem gets the, drops the ball, except more and more yeah. emphatic over and over again <laughs> for the next do? forty minutes in several different languages. Oh my god! How could he do that? He missed the extra point. Anyway, um, please. Anyway, moving on from the lackluster Jim Henderson to the real Jim Henderson. Uh, he was chancellor at the community college I went to for two years, Bipsy. And we talked about Eric. Well, Evan talked about Eric Wood being super personable and just really in, t- in tune with the community and stuff like that. That was Jim Henderson at Bipsy. Mm. He would come through. And granted, it, it, it's, a, it's a junior college. But there were 7,000 students there my second year. And that's only 4,000 less than tech. And so Jim Henderson would come through uh, the student 
area. It wasn't really a union. And he'd come through and like chat with st- chat with students and talk to them and ask them, oh, what university you're going to? He wouldn't limit it to, oh yeah, you're just going to get your associates. Nothing wrong with that. But he would always talk like, oh, where are you going next? What university are you going to? And stuff mm-hmm. like that. So he was really in touch with the students. And it doesn't surprise me at all that he's moved up the ladder so quickly in education in the state of Louisiana. I, I know that he was... I think he was director or whatever of the UL system yeah. uh, for a little while. And I don't know why he would leave that position to take this one. Well, he I said he didn't want to be that, there long. He said that it was kind of promised uh, to him that UL system job as a, like a temporary one. And he kind of jumped out the opportunity to be tax president. Yeah, so it sure. sounds like he really wants to be here. And that's just something that he, yeah. it's not him taking a step and, down. It's him doing what he wants to do. I think he I, was I heavily think, in the mix to be LSU's chancellor. Um, last time that position was up too. regardless, if there was anyone that I would trust to find the best possible candidate to bring the, to bring the best out of the athletics at our school, it's this guy. I think he's going to knock it out of the fucking park. So, Let me read off a list of some names that are in the mix reportedly uh, from an article and then also kind of independently confirmed on Bleed Tech Blue that some of these names are are being tossed around. Some of them might be familiar, others not so much, but we've got Nico Yantko, the current Murray State Athletic Director, Heath Schroyer, who's McNeese's AD, um, Ryan Ivey, Stephen F. Austin's AD, And then we've got a bunch of sort of associate, senior associate, deputy, whatever, um, from different schools. Ben Broussard from NC State is the senior associate AD. Jeff Crane from Memphis, deputy AD. Monica LeBrun was was formerly Tennessee's deputy AD. And then um, two names in the mix here, Leah Beasley, Oklahoma executive assistant AD, and Paul Cabas. Illinois State's deputy AD, those two have worked at tech at some point in their career. So that that's why I saved them for last there. Um, so, you know, oh, and then Todd Dooley, UT Permian Basin's vice president for athletics. Don't know if he's related to Derek Dooley uh, at all, but uh, well, let's let's hope not. Let's get Derek Dooley and, back as, as a coach. And the important he's thing now. here is that. Henderson gets to put his guy in charge of the athletic department. Whoever he decides to hire, it'll be his guy. And then that guy will get to have his guy fill in whenever Sonny Cumbie does get fired and replaced. Um, so, we're just, it's just like foregone conclusion. Yeah. After this year, after <laughs> we go three and nine again, Sonny, if you're listening, please, please don't get fired. Please be great. Uh, we would love for that to happen. Also, you keep saying his Leah Beasley is a very interesting name on this list for me. She um, she was at Tech while I was there um, as a you know whatever assistant associate junior athletic director or whatever. My God, um, she played softball at Tech. So Tech is her alma mater. She left Tech for Mississippi State uh, maybe five or so six seven years ago. I don't know, and then went and went to Oklahoma in twenty twenty three. So I think she's been like kind of, you know, getting some experience and uh, it wouldn't surprise me if she's like strongly considered because she's got ties to the school and is maybe seen as like an up and comer. But I don't have any inside information other than that. Her name is on a list. Yeah, Uh, I don't I don't know anything about these candidates. Yeah. I mean, I don't think there's much to say yet about any of them. Yeah. So I, I think we should probably hold off until a new one is named and hopefully the not too distant future. 
And whoever will take over that role will be the boss who did a lot to impress his future boss by winning two games this past week, along with, you know, the rest of the team at Middle Tennessee and then at home against Liberty and an overtime thriller. That game was a lot of fun. But first, I guess we should talk about the underwhelming win against Middle Tennessee. Yeah, I was I'd say I was I was whelmed by it. I wasn't underwhelmed. I wasn't overwhelmed. I was just whelmed. (laughs) (laughs) It was, uh, you know, a game where we didn't really pull away, you know, like you'd want to against sort of a quote unquote inferior opponent. Middle Tennessee did a pretty good job keeping up. And, you know, I don't I don't know what more there is to say. We win this game 60 to 52. Crawford had 14 points. Chavez had 15 and Bacho had 16. You know, Bacho with a nice double double again. So that's when he doesn't get a double double, I'll let you know. Basically, he's averaging a double double on the year. Yeah. I mean, I'll have to let you know in a minute because he didn't actually get a double double against (laughs) against Liberty. But um, for, yeah, for now, I think he had nine rebounds. But yeah, I mean, I don't know. Is there anything else to say about this game, Nathan? Other than, I mean, tech snaps their four game road losing streak. Yeah. Not really. Uh, I mean, this was a game tech was expected to win and they, they won, but I mean, I'm willing to win this game a little bit better, a little bit more drastically after mm-hmm. our road struggle so far this year. But I guess because of those road struggles so far, any chance for ice cream, I guess I'll take also one more note about this one is just the visitor locker rooms in the Murphy center <laughs> and Murphy's bro just look like a junior high. Very- yeah, it was very unfortunate. Shout out to Daniel Adams for putting that in the chat. And then I stole his joke and put it on Twitter. <laughs> it literally looked like Clearwood Junior High's locker room. I mean, just hideous. Um, it was very sad. Also, Tech only had nine fouls in this game. They stole it 11 times. Um, so 11 steals to nine fouls is kind of a weird stat line you probably don't see very often. And outside of one player, I thought... Tech did a really good job of defending MTSU. Justin Porter, their um, their six one guard, had twenty four points of their fifty two total. But outside of him, I thought Tech's defensive strategy was pretty good. And on a night where not many shots were going down either way, like it's nice to uh, to hold the other team in check for sure. Yeah, it also made speaking of holding the team in check. Uh, Tech after this game was eleven and zero on the season when holding their opponent under seventy points. Something that got brought up a lot during the Liberty yeah. broadcast. Those two guys kept referring to the stat well, over and over again. And I mean, partially because the score was 69 to 69, like yeah, right but, at the end of the game. So it was like, but which it was every four minutes through? in the game before then. I didn't mind so much when she got to overtime, make a little a, a joke about it. But it just felt like, oh, are they going to get to 70? Oh, they're on pace for 70 right now. Rather than, was, you know, who's winning or losing. Uh, but, yeah. I don't know. I. I actually really liked the broadcast. Uh, it was on ESPN two. It was like a, you know, maybe slightly elevated uh, production quality. But I thought the I thought the announcers brought some some pretty interesting like research to the oh yeah game. You know they like they talked about how in conference play like the largest margin of victory was like eleven points so far, and that was the only game that was decided in double figures. So it and that's you know that's across like twenty games in conference play. So. Um, pretty even across the league so far. Obviously, Tech, you know, has started what now two and one. Yes, um, and that was after this win over Liberty, knocking them to zero and three in conference. Mm. 
the Flames predicted to win Conference USA. It looked just as confident heading into the conference schedule. Now 0-3 to start conference play. Yeah, and this game was fun to watch from start to finish. I mean, uh, Liberty really started out pretty hot in the first half. They had a lot of uh, of success from the three-point line, which is kind of exactly what we said they were going to try to do. Um, and that was the matchup we were watching. Like, can Tech's three-point defense slow down the sort of attack? You know, because Tech is not great defending three-pointers. Um, well, Liberty came out and attacked us, and uh, it was working. And, you know, at halftime, Tech's down, what, by six or eight points i don't remember the exact yeah, i think it's 37 30 at halftime after uh, well, a pretty late, okay after a pretty late 12 2 run by liberty to get to that point yeah and it was a lot of frustrating like pick and roll action or or like driving the lane and kicking out to a guy who was making a you know not not exactly contested but not wide open three you know guys trying to close out but not quite making it making it there fast enough and you know it's really interesting because uh, Talvin Hester has a quote from from after the game where he said, I thought Liberty's movement hurt us in the first half. You can't simulate them in practice. But, you know, in the second half, Tech basically stopped doing what's called help side defense. And that's where, you know, they drive the lane and and rather than it staying man to man, somebody comes in to help defend the lane. Right. Um, that then leaves a three-point shooter open and Liberty takes advantage of that. That's how they are one of the best three-point shooting teams in the country. Tech just said, you know what? Second half, we're going to say you guys are short and Bacho is tall. So you want to come in the lane, go ahead and come in the lane, but we're going we're gonna to leave our guy one-on-one with you in the lane and you're not going to be open at three-point. And man, that shit worked. It was, it was great to watch. That like halftime adjustment, like I don't know shit about basketball, but I could tell that we had changed something and kind of reading, reading through some of these quotes after the game, reading through like LaTeX Sports Central's thoughts on it. It just like it just clicked. I'm like, man, like what an adjustment from Coach Hester and the gang to stop them from destroying us from three point. Yeah, you look at even the shots taken by Liberty in the first half, they took 18 three pointers. That's a lot. But uh, in the second half, they took nine, which is still a lot. We only took three in the second half. But that kind of goes to show the way that our philosophy changed, and that changed how they were able to play their game. Uh, Their whole thing, it felt like, and I hate the term, like, this team was really scrappy or whatever, but that's what it felt like. Their energy was just move, 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 move all around the court, and that forced Tech to play to them. The amount of times that Bacho, I felt like, had to, you know, one-on-one defend a guy trying to drive into the lane from the three-point arc, that's not his game, and he struggled a little bit doing it. We were on our toes very early in this game because we were just kind of letting them do what they wanted to do, and we were playing along. And then mm-hmm. in the second half, we really took control and said, no, this is not what we're doing. This is not how we play, and found a way to kind of put the game back in our hands. And from there, we took a lead, and although it ended up going to overtime, so, I mean, we made up those seven points, but not eight, we eventually found our groove further in overtime as well. Yeah, and I mean, Liberty's a, a very good team. I know they're 0-3 in conference right now, but they're, they're going to figure it out. And basically, we kind of clamped down and said, like, this is our home floor. When it comes down to it, this is, like, are we going to defend the Tech, right? Tech is very, very good at home historically, and 
you know, Liberty had the ball tied uh, with what, like eight seconds on the clock or something in that last possession. And um, so they, they kind of held the ball for the last shot and tech didn't even let them like get a good look at the end of the game. It wasn't like the St. Louis game where they let the guy run down the floor and just, you know, kind of take an open three pointer. But the defense at times in this game was just excellent in terms of like forcing late shots, forcing bad looks and looks that Liberty did not want to take. They wanted to move the ball around enough to, to take an open three, but we stopped letting them do that. And um, when they tried to drive the lane, our strategy of saying, Hey, you guys are short <laughs> was very smart because we had 11 blocks in this game. Bacho had three Isaiah Crawford had seven blocks. He was on fire defensively in this game. Yeah, and it's kind of sad that he's the one that turns the ball over late in the end of the second half where Tech looks like they'll make, possibly they'll have the opportunity for the last shot of the game or very close to it. Mm-hmm. And he ends up turning the ball over on a on a drive to the lane and then fouls out pretty early in overtime, if I remember right. Uh, yeah. But I mean, that was the thing was when Zach Cleveland comes across half court, by the way, I'm so glad we won't have to hear that name again, at least for a few weeks until we play Liberty again. Uh, Zach Cleveland just felt like whenever the ball was in his hands, I was nervous. Uh, he's the one that takes the final shot in regulation. And we saw this happen in St. Louis. We saw this happen in Seattle. But specifically St. Louis, I think, is where I'm thinking of is this is the guy that's hot. This is the guy that's had our number all game. And he's going to take the final shot. And it's him. So he's going to make it. And then he didn't. I I just had already kind of written it off as a loss before that final shot was even taken because it just felt like, of course, he's going to make this. This is Tech. And yet he didn't. And then Tech found a way in overtime. This was an exciting game, even if this wasn't a win. Like, even if, you know, it's back and forth late, Tech comes back. I think we would still say this was a fun game, especially with how loud the, the attack was rocking. I remember Chavez hitting a three-pointer and just everyone going crazy. And it reminded me of the Iona crowd uh, all those years back. Yeah, it wasn't Which I, was there, that I was there for that. It, I, I was, was also there. there. Uh, Evan I was, was not. There. And I want, I, I want there. all the listeners to know that he was not there. Yeah, I was in grad school. Sorry. Um, I was <laughs> like 400 miles away. Yeah. So you mentioned Crawford fouling out. I mean, I thought, oh shit, that's going to be like the straw that breaks the camel's back. We're not going to come back from this. You know, he fouls out with four minutes and 11 seconds left and, and Liberty gets two free throws off of that and takes the lead. Right. So it's kind of like, and they break that 70 point threshold that uh, the announcers kept talking about ad nauseum. It kind of felt like, all right, is this going to be it? Are we going to get outscored like 10 to nothing in in overtime and lose? But Tech goes right down the floor, scores, right? I mean, Newman drives the lane, misses the layup, and then um, Bacho gets an offensive rebound put back, so ties the game. Then we do pretty much the same thing again. Newman makes it. Bacho blocks at the other end. Newman makes the jumper. I mean, we just we just kind of exploded there and went up 75-71 and just kind of never looked back, right? Like we never yeah. we never let the score get within um I guess it got within 2 with 39 seconds left, but Newman makes his clutch free throws and that's that's pretty much the end of the game. So, I thought it was really interesting even with, you know, Conference USA preseason player of the year fouled out of the game, like our offense kind of found a a third or fourth gear there with three minutes left in overtime that um, Liberty certainly wasn't expecting or, or ready to deal with. It was that. And also their two best players, Cleveland and then also Kyle road had four fouls going into overtime as well. I know we were talking about in the chat about, we need to attack the rim to get yeah. them fouled out and they end up 
staying at four the entire night, but I think their interior defense suffered because of it. They were trying to stay on the court, and so they were playing a little bit more conservative, which allowed us to drive a little bit better and and do our own thing a little bit. And that, that made a difference. Whether or not they're in the lineup or not, if they have to think about, oh, I have four fouls, that changes things. And while Isaiah Crawford, you missed his presence on the court, I'd much rather him go and commit a fifth foul while trying to play late in a game than him yeah. play super conservative and just be on the court in name only. Because to play his game, he needs to be in a risky-ish position with the possibility of fouling out. Yeah, that's probably enough on the coverage on the Liberty game, right? Yeah, I think so. So let's go ahead and move forward to the one preview we have this week on the men's side, Jacksonville State. This game will be played Saturday, January 20th at 4 p.m. Central at the Matthews Coliseum in Jacksonville, Alabama, or streaming on ESPN+. The Gamecocks right now are number 150 in Kempom with a record of 10 and 8. Well, yeah, at least they can't, I mean, at least they can't rush the ball. Yeah, that's true. Thankfully, <laughs> rushing yards don't count in basketball. Oh, um, right, yeah. yeah. <laughs> it took me a second, too. Uh, I, <laughs> I had completely blocked that from my memory. Yeah, interesting. So they're 10 and 8, but three of their games have come against, uh, you know, non-D1 opponents, three of their wins. You know, looking at this, to me, they start out 2-0 and in conference, including a road win over Liberty. So that's, that's kind of impressive. Um, then they lost at home to Western Kentucky. Or no, sorry, lost on the road to Western Kentucky last Saturday. You know, across their schedule, they the highest win they have is that Liberty game. Outside of that, their next best win is number 182, Tarleton State. They've lost to teams from number 11, Wisconsin, all the way down to number 337, Incarnate Word. So I, I think they're kind of all over the map here. Looks like they found their stride a little bit in December into January. Should be a pretty tough tilt here on the road for Tech. Yeah, and unfortunately, none of the non-Division One opponents they played have funny names, so we can't go on our normal tangents about Aww. that. Yeah, maybe next week. I mean, one of them is called Brescia. Is that yeah. not funny to you? No, because I'm a 31-year-old man. I mean, not like I, I don't know what it means. Is all I'm saying. Like, I assume is, it's not the city in Italy. Yeah, it's, it's a city in Italy. Obviously, they played. There's also apparently something called Bresciani socks. So that's I'm gonna. I'll, and the city I'll, in Italy is in the region of Lombardy or Lombardy, but the Lombardy Trophy is the NFL oh, wow. championship trophy. So Jacksonville State basketball will win the Super Bowl this year. Head to Vegas, put it all on red because that's one of the colors of Jacksonville State. I guess black is the other. So I guess either way you win. I'm not really Nathan, sure what I'm I, doing here. I'm lost. I'm, I'm going to be honest. <laughs> I, I, I don't know what you're talking about. Um, <laughs> anyway, what can you tell me about the Jacksonville State uh, Gamecock basketball team? Yeah, hopefully I'll be a little bit more coherent on this one. On <laughs> offense, they turn over the ball a lot. That's really the thing to know. 322nd in college basketball when it comes to that. But they do get rebounds a lot. 60th best offensive rebound percentage. Mm. Um, a lot of times those seem to be two of the more important stats and the fact that they are very bad at one and very good at the other doesn't really mean much, but it'll be interesting to see how Tech relates um, since Tech has also been pretty good at getting defensive rebounds, probably somewhat due to having Bacho on the court. Um, not a great shooting team, fortunately for Tech, not a good three-point shooting team specifically. Uh, 283rd in college basketball when it comes to taking those three-point shots. But again, we say this every week, but I'm sure they'll find their stroke against Louisiana Tech. <laughs> um, and yeah, so that that's their offense. Uh, Evan, does anything about their defense really stand out? Yeah, I mean, the thing that stands out to me is that they're good. 
across the board on defense. I mean, every every category pretty much is top 100. Their effective field goal percentage is 69th in the nation. They force a decent amount of turnovers, 93rd in the nation in that category. They don't allow a lot of offensive rebounds, which is, you know, we just finished talking about the Liberty game with the putbacks from Bacho. I mean, those opportunities might not be there in this game. They are good at defending both three points and two point shots. There was a tweet a little while ago by LaTeX Sports Central talking about how Tech likes to force contested looks, um, which leads to a lower opponent field goal percentage um, and not send teams to the free throw line. Jacksonville State also likes to do that. So he's anticipating a defensive slugfest here, which, you know, looking at these rankings, I definitely uh, would agree with. You know, they also block a lot of shots. I, I don't know. It's a it's a pretty interesting matchup here because their defense is is um uh, is quite good. Yeah, but you can't talk about this team without talking about their best player, their most used player, whichever way you want to say it. Is it Kai Kai? K Y K Y Tandy. Kai yeah, Kai Tandy. I'd, I'd say Kai Kai, I guess. That's a weird it's a kind of a weird thing to say about like a, a young adult. Kai Kai? I I don't know. But yeah, I mean, what what can you tell me about him, Nathan? Yeah, a transfer from Xavier, uh, where he played three years, or actually four years, excuse me. Uh, he is right now the 70th most used player in college basketball when you go by possession numbers. He is a top 500 player when it comes to Ken Palm's offensive rating. Um, really just kind of, you'll see a lot of highlight packages with him tweeted out by Conference USA. Uh, takes a lot of shots. A lot from three, a lot from two. He's a really good foul shooter, just a good basketball player. It's it's really kind of hard to say anything that he's not very good at. He just he's good. We have to defend him. Yeah, and he leads their team in points per game with nineteen point four. That's probably top in conference USA if I had to guess. I mean Crawford's in like third, I think, with with like fifteen points per game. So I would guess nineteen point four would be tops. Yeah, so he he's definitely going to be the guy to look for, you know, when they're scoring. This guy can score for sure. I was trying to find that stat to see, you know, where he ranks in Conference USA. I wasn't able to find that. I was able to find the leader in three-point percentage in Conference USA. Do you want to guess who that is right now? Uh, Someone who's like seven feet tall and has shot one and made it. <laughs> uh, two shots per game minimum. Oh, yeah. Um, is it Chavez? Oh, Chavez is fifth. Huh. Crawford? Crawford, Isaiah Crawford, nice is the league leader three point shooting right now. Anyway, not important, not what we were talking about, but it caught my eye. Not at all. Yeah, yeah. I mean, you've got some other contributors on this team too. It's not just him, but Kai Kai Tandy is a name you'll hear a lot, and you also hear whether or not we pronounced it right on Saturday yeah. afternoon. Yeah, that'll happen pretty quickly. <laughs> <laughs> They'll be like, "It's Kiki," and we'll be like, "Damn!" Oh, dang! Yeah, we should have <laughs> looked it up. We should have looked it up right now, and yet, <laughs> yeah. Nope. Uh, okay, I just found I just found the stat. Yeah, Kai Kai Kiki whatever Tandy is leading by four points over the next highest scorer. Uh, Don McHenry from Western Kentucky is at fifteen point three, and then Crawford's at fifteen point two. Let's hope we can. Tandy is at nineteen point four. Let's try to play some leapfrog this weekend and and put Crawford on top. I don't feel You'd like doing score. the math to see how many yeah, points you have to score, score a lot of fucking points. Yeah, yeah. but let's Crawford do it. Goes out and drops a fifty burger. Yeah, yeah. All right. They named the arena after him in Jacksonville. Yeah, Massey ratings right now gives Tech a fifty-five percent chance to win this game, sixty-seven to sixty-five. Ken Palm also favors the Bulldogs. This is a fifty-four percent chance to win for Tech, 
63 to 62, an away game in Alabama. Um, we'll get to our predictions in a moment, but first let's talk about the texters. Yeah. The texters lost at Liberty. Pretty disappointing result, even though it's on the road. Liberty was six or five and 12 coming into this game against the texters. And, you know, we lost to MTSU, but it kind of felt like it kind of felt like, okay, we played really well against the, you know, perennial best conference USA team. And, uh, you know, felt like maybe we could stay on that win streak or get back on the win streak, but uh, unfortunately unable to pull it off on the road. 66 to 59 was the final score. Um, I know we had a lead at halftime, a pretty big lead. And then it, it dwindled in the third quarter and then, you know, ultimately evaporated there um, towards the end of the game. We end up losing by seven uh, there on the road. Yeah. So um, that MTSU game, I guess I just kind of referenced it, even though we hadn't, we haven't covered it, but uh, end up losing that one 64 to 61. That was an overtime loss. Is that right? Yes. We actually took the lead with um, right at the beginning of overtime, took the lead 56, 54. And uh, you know, if you look at the win probability chart, it plummets from MTSU, 95% chance to win to tech 64% chance to win there between 40 seconds left in regulation and uh, about five minutes left in overtime. But you know, Tech had a chance at the end to win this game, ended up coming back and tying it up with 10 seconds left. MTSU misses the jumper with four seconds left, and then Tech calls timeout to advance um, all the way up the floor, and Analar misses a three-pointer at the uh, at the buzzer. And then, you know, in overtime, Tech just ultimately wasn't able to, uh, to keep up with middle. Made it interesting with uh, a second left. Uh, or four seconds left, we made a three-pointer to make it 62-61, but then had to foul and uh, and didn't get the ball back with enough time left um, to, to get up the court. So ultimately a three-point loss, but again, to the best team in the conference. So that left me with some hope going into this Liberty game, and it, it just, over time, like, Tech built up to a, a nine-point lead near halftime and then just kind of Gradually across the second half, you know, Liberty builds a a uh, a lead and Tech was, you know, going sort of long stretches without scoring. You know, there's a there's a almost five minute scoring drought in here for Tech, which is pretty rough, followed by one basket and then another like three, three and a half minutes. So we scored like four points over the last 10 minutes of the game. You can't do that if you want to win, you know, on the road, especially road games are rough. And this week, Tech returns home, thankfully, to face off against Jacksonville State while the men travel to Alabama. This will be the fight for literacy. It will be at the Tech at 2 p.m. on Saturday or on ESPN+. Plus. So that that is the Texters. They have one game this week. The Bulldogs have one game this week, both against Jacksonville State. Both, I believe, are favored in the games. I don't know if I said it yet, but Massey predicts Tech to win uh, the women's team to beat Jacksonville State 66 to 57, a 77% chance to win. So, do we think Tech goes 2 0 this week, or do we think we split one of those two games? Ooh, Matt, what you got? I think, we're, I think we're taking the whole fucking thing, folks. I think we're taking it all. We're taking the Jacksonville State duo Fecta. Um, Gross. Yeah, I, I, don't, I don't know. I mean, I think the Texters will win. Um, it's at home. I think that Jacksonville State uh, seems like they're they're in a rougher spot, so hopefully Tech can pull off the win. 
the men's game is really interesting because Jacksonville State is not great offensively, but they have really good defense and they're playing at home. So that's what kind of gives me pause a little bit. All the predictors are are saying that this is going to be somewhere in the neighborhood of like 65-ish points scored for Tech. So, you know, in a game like that, you just have to hope that no one on Jacksonville State gets hot, you know, and kind of plays above their their average. Um, and by the way, they have the top scorer in the conference. So no pressure, I guess to, you know, don't let that guy go out and score 35 points against you. So it's, it's on the road. It's a conference game. That's really tough, but tech did win an ugly conference road game just last week against middle Tennessee. So they've shown me that they can do it. Um, they've tasted that ice cream. They want to get some more ice cream. Want to see what the uh, what the Jacksonville Alabama ice cream shops are all about? So I'm gonna I'm gonna go two and zero this week. Nathan, what what's what's your prediction? I think the women pull it off, but I I really think this is a trap game for the men, and that ha- winning a road game and then beating Liberty kind of gives us some false confidence as fans, and I think this is a close one. But Justice Conference USA has tended to favor the home team drastically, and these games have been close. I think Tech drops another close one. Okay, the men, the Bulldogs, drop a close one to Jacksonville State. So one in one week is what I'm predicting here. Yeah, I, I could see that easily. Before we move into wrapping things up, there are some other sports going on. I just want to shout out Ariel Williams, who was named Conference USA's Female Freshman of the Week in indoor track and field. Um, after she jumped a program record 1.78 meters in the high jump. She finished for uh, tied for the highest jump of the meet, but finished in second due to a tiebreaker. How does. Uh, OK, uh, so anyway, uh, that is the fourth best jump by a freshman in NCAA this season. Um, and then also Ana Rodriguez was named as the Conference USA Women's Tennis Athlete of the Week after going five and one in three dual matches at the Hurricane Invitational in Tulsa, Oklahoma. And yeah, so shout out to those two. Uh, there are other sports happening as well. Maybe we can do like a, a check-in on our next episode because I know we've kind of run long here. Yeah. And so we'll quickly do our tweet of the week as well. At Chiefs tweeted out Legereus Sneed on Mike for the Dolphins win, the win over the Dolphins. And this was a great game from him. It, it is getting mm-hmm. him paid uh, with this performance against Tyreek Hill and just all completely season. all over the guy in all season, but this one, oh, yeah. especially in the playoffs, the, f- the fact that he was not in the pro bowl or given any sort of all pro or any sort of nod at all after the job that he did this season, like consistently locking down. Like, it's a bit top- weird. Uh, yeah. Strangely enough, the, the other starting corner on the chiefs, uh, Trent McDuffie, second year guy at a UW, he got all pro, uh, but Snead did not. I don't know why Snead didn't get it. Uh, no one. I don't think he had a single touchdown thrown on him all season nope. and yep. did not have any receiver over a certain amount of yardage. I, I mean, he just, he's unbelievable. Uh, and he chose the best year to do it. This is his last year under contract. So. Yeah. He's some team about only, to pay him stupid yeah, money. <laughs> yeah. He's only making about two and a half or 3 million this year. He got a performance bonus into his salary this year for, uh, 
how he played last year, winning the Super Bowl last year, which I don't envision Snead's going to stick around in Kansas City. They don't have a lot of room in their cap space to keep around a defensive back. So my guess is is that he's going to end up going elsewhere, and he's probably going to make, I think, uh, Sport Track right now says that he's projected – of course, this could doesn't mean anything, but he's projected to make between fifteen and eighteen million per year, uh, and I know he's going to get it, and I hope it's Ooh. by Titans, because the yeah, Titans I have would, this, uh, I a would lot of cap shit out of a Legarius Steed Saints jersey. I'm oh, just yeah. saying, um, Saints don't have any cap room for the next forty-seven million years, but um, <laughs> <laughs> oh, <laughs> yeah, still paying off Drew at that point, yeah. right? Yeah, right. Yeah, thanks um, a lot, Drew. Yeah, but anyway, tweet of the week, um, Kansas City Chiefs, Sneed mic'd up, um, you know, great stuff with his like banter with Tyreek Hill and stuff in here. So, um, yeah, check that out. And uh, I don't know how to transition out of this. Are you going to wrap up the show? Do the whole thing? (laughs) I I could have. I guess I could have just kept going until someone stopped me. Well, that about wraps it up for this episode of the GoTech Please Don't Die podcast. As always, you can follow us on Twitter at G-O-T-E-C-H-P-L-S-D-N-T-D-I-E. Or head to our blog, gtpdd.dog, where you can go to the shop and get this month's shirt of the month, the merch of the month. It is Laissez Les Bon Tech Roulet, the Bulldog all decked out in Mardi Gras gear. Get it so you can wear it next month when you go to some of your favorite parades wherever they happen to be gtpdd.dog slash shop and until next time i'm nathan i'm evan i'm matt and go tech please don't die see what the uh what the jacksonville alabama ice cream shops are all about so i'm gonna i'm gonna go two and oh this week first i'm gonna search to see what is in yeah what's the highest rated yelp ice cream store in jacksonville mad hat or cupcakes which i don't think counts uh that's ooh, that's open at like what time is this game at it's three. Oh, okay you Four, got plenty something of time. Like that. yeah they got time there's a dairy queen there's a place called scoop de jour greenery wow, and desserts uh, that sounds fancy. Scoop de jour. <laughs> it's not delivery. It's scoop de jour. Oh, hell yeah. That's where I'm. Look at that waffle bowl, dude. Yeah. I'm going there. Let's. I uh, mean, man. there's also Sam's Frosty Treats, which is in a like weirdly painted short bus. Oh, uh, and and Yelp God. just says open all day. What does that mean? What, what, what is it called? <laughs> Sam's Frosty Treats. It says 24 hours. What?